Hawk and I always chop it up talking about all things sports till all hours of the morning. And I said, you know, Hawk, why don't we just do it over the airwaves? So good morning and uh, excited to have you here with me. Excited to be here, Jerry. All the sports and everything we talk about all the time on our own, why not do it over the airwaves? Well, the only thing is we can't argue loud because there are mic, <laughs> mic limits, but, but we can chop it up and we can get uh, animated about it. Uh, one of the things that's most exciting uh, for us is we're both Hoopers. I played for Hofstra, and as mentioned, uh, David played for Temple. And coming out of last night, you know, we had the NBA uh, Finals Game 5. And I think right away, you and I always had had a difference on how the season was going to play out. You were pretty much uh, locked into the Lakers. I was locked into Phoenix. And then moving forward, the Lakers did wind up with a lot of injuries. So uh, I'll give them a little bit of a pass. But I think even healthy, they were not the best team this year. But Phoenix, after jumping out to that 2-0 lead, I, I think Milwaukee's figured some things out now. You, you did pick the Suns. I got to give you that. When I was on the, the, Lake, the Lakers bandwagon. But um, and you and Galaxy shout out Galaxy wherever you are right now. Gal- Galaxy, Galaxy watches Lakers go down, and for all you football fans, you'll start hearing the Cowboys uh, chirp. Uh, pretty, you know, uh, Galaxy will be all, and he'll be joining us too uh, from time to time. But what do you what are you shocked about most uh, in terms of the adjustment that uh, Milwaukee has made? Well, it just seemed like the Suns were, like you said, jumped out to that two zero lead. It just looked like that they were that they were ready, you know. CP3 to get that championship, Devin Booker to be coming to his own as a superstar in that league. I think also part of it was, uh, to your point, there was some momentum from Phoenix. They just did not have the tough path that Milwaukee had. Milwaukee was coming out of all of these, you know, hard-fought series. And then I, I, people don't even talk about it anymore, but Giannis may have not even played in this right. series. He was coming with an injury, and, and now look what he's doing. Exactly. It wasn't really expected. I'm happy about it because I didn't want to see a sweep. Exactly. Well, not only the sweep, the one thing I never want to see, especially in a championship contest, whether it's basketball, baseball, you never want something to be decided because somebody's not there. You always exactly. want you, you never right. You never want to see a matchup you want where everybody their full strength. Right, full strength. And the funny thing is, talking about the Lakers, a lot of people want to throw asterisks all over the Lakers championship from last year, saying that they didn't uh, they didn't win it. But I, I'm not about that. As long as the setting is fair for everybody, it, it's fair, and everyone played in the bubble, so the Lakers have that championship. And it looks like Milwaukee um, may have theirs the first time since, uh, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar days. Uh, what do you think? Do you think Milwaukee can uh, can close it out in game six in a couple of days? For some reason, I think it's going seven. Well, uh, Monty Williams, in his press conference, he basically said the same thing. It's whatever it takes, all hands on deck. Right. It depends on the mentality of the players. But that, I feel like the Suns know that it's win or go home and... Milwaukee, knowing that they have another chance, sometimes you, you're a little lax. You don't attack the game the same. Um, but if they have the same mentality going into it, like they for them it's win or go home, then that will be – we just want to see some good basketball, and we're seeing it so far. Well, we're seeing it, and that's the thing. I mean, the brand of basketball that this finals has brought, and we're going to talk about that later uh, with one of our uh, surprise guests, but it has been more traditional – I mean, Hawk is, uh, you know, a little younger than me, but basically we grew up in that same era of inside basketball. You know, the penetration game, the big man was very relevant uh, when we were right. playing uh, hoop in college. You know, today's game is an aerial show. I mean, everything's from outside the arc, but this particular finals has kind of a little bit of a return because you have a traditional center 
in DeAndre Ayton with Phoenix, and then, you know, the Greek freak, and he's he's anything but traditional, but certainly doing his damage from inside the lane. As a matter of fact, one of the things I always found was kind of funny watching him uh, play when Reggie Miller, uh, a notorious three-point sniper, is announcing. Whenever Giannis shoots a three, you could just hear... The, you, you know, if 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 a person's uh, facial expressions could make a sound on microphone, you just you hear Reggie Miller cringe, like no sir, no Giannis, just you know get out of that, you know get out of that. But yeah, but not if you remember Giannis came into the league shooting the three very well, and then he balked up a little bit, and I feel like when he balked up, lost know, some of that flexibility on his yeah, stroke. When you when you go into the weight room and everything, if you're not shooting as much, you should shoot more afterwards to so your body can adjust to it. But nobody wants to see Giannis shoot the three because he's so dominant and so athletic. Well, uh, it, it feels like you he's settling and, and taking letting the defense off the hook when he shoots that three. So. To me, you know what he reminds me of? I know this might be a crazy analogy, but I believe he's like a Dirk Nowitzki on steroids, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why. Because Dirk had the three point shot, but Dirk had all the inside moves, and he was basically able to do a lot of it. Giannis takes that to the next level with his athleticism, but he's shooting all those 15 and in shots. He's a great foul shooter, and everything kind of runs through him. You know, so at the end of the day, he's just like a, a, another level of a Dirk Nowitzki. But but all of those kind of elements that that championship Mavericks team had. Uh, it just it just reminds me of that championship because then you had Jason Terry, you had the guard play, you had Jason Kidd. You just you just have, and that's what you have, I think, with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. You know, they're not just uh, you know launching; they're not just coming up launching. They're complementing, and I don't know that they're going to come back. I, I I have to say, I never want to go back on my predictions, but it just looks like you know after Phoenix jumped out and there was a couple of adjustments from Milwaukee, and you know I, I tell you what a thin line coaching is. Budenholzer was said to be basically fired if they didn't get by the Nets. That that story was out. That was not a rumor. Yeah. That was a leak. I mean, that was you know, you know, that was completely out there. And here he is, probably going to get a contract extension if if they win it. So he literally went from. And you know, what it reminds me of. And again, my New York roots. This is very similar to Tom Coughlin who was basically being told uh, he would not be invited back if the Giants didn't make a deep run in the playoffs, then winds up winning the Super Bowl, gets signed to an extension, then wound up winning another Super Bowl uh, before eventually actually uh, getting fired from the Giants. So it, it is such a thin line in, in the coaching world. But to your point about good basketball, that's what I want to see. I want to see good sports. And uh, for those of you just joining us, just a reminder, this is our first show, uh, Inside the Lockers. With JC and D Hawk. It's every Sunday from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. right here on Public Radio KUNV 91.5. Uh, we broadcast from the campus of UNLV and we're going to be taking uh, call ins. We'll be putting out that number. We're going to have guests. The theme of our show, uh, folks, is for us to speak with a person from an organization on game day. So as football season uh, falls upon us, you may have the Raiders against. Um, the Bills, you may have the Dolphins against the Patriots, doesn't matter what part of the country, and we'll actually be speaking with a player several hours before they're about to go uh, take the field. So very exciting to get that access, and a lot of that's provided from uh, our company, which uh, David Hawkins has, we're going to tell his story with our company, but you know, the B1 patch has just really opened up a, a tremendous outlet to all these athletes who wear our product when they perform, and we're very excited to get them engaged in our show. Let, let's get to that part of it. Uh, our friendship started 
uh, actually uh, the big three, who's in town right now to keep it on the basketball theme. For those of you who don't know, Ice Cube, uh, you can't really call him a famous rapper anymore because he's, you know, this man's taking on the the word of mogul. I mean, he's... Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely mogul. You know, he's, uh, you know, he's making movies, he's producing movies, he's writing. I mean, of course, he owns the, the, the big three, so... At the end of the day, shout out to, you know, those great men that have a vision that not only explore their dreams, but then expand upon them. And it goes on and on, right? Jay-Z, P. Diddy, all of these men and women too, right? I mean, uh, uh, Megan Thee Stallion, Queen Latifah, the list just goes on and on of all these artists that did not stop and pigeonhole themselves into music only. They've actually taken themselves uh, out as entrepreneurs and... Uh, you know, it's it's just great to see because it just inspires every aspect um, of our youth that you don't have to just limit yourself. You can uh, expand out. So Ice Cube started a three-on-three basketball league, for those of you who don't know, about four years ago. And the premise of that league, I, I think, has changed from where it is now. But it started where, as people around 37, 38, 39 were going to start leaving their NBA careers but still had some, you know, juice left. You know, the Paul Pierces of the world, Allen Iverson, uh, God rest his soul, uh, Kobe Bryant. You know, these um, very, very elite marketable players might find some fun playing at that high level of competition, Amari Stoudemire uh, in the big three. I think what wound up happening is they were not able to secure those players. But the one thing they did do is they did secure some very legendary coaches. You know, so, I mean, you had Gary Payton, you have Gary Payton still there, uh, Dr. J, uh, of course, Rick Barry, um, you know, Rick Mahorn, who, uh, um, you know, potentially could be our mystery guest. We will see how that plays out. But it's um, it's a league that is founded upon, you know, the game that we all grew up with playing in the playground. That's three-on-three basketball. And uh, you actually were not formally a part of it. You came in on, on the draft or on... Uh, a secondary yeah, part of I it. I came in as a reserve for Three's Company. That was that team. This the original, the original league had uh, Kenya Martin, uh, Allen Iverson as the captains, Jermaine O'Neal, Corey Maggette, and uh, Mike Bibby, and it was just it was just a great opportunity for the fans to see some of their favorite players after they retired from the NBA. You know, sometimes you go on the broadcasting, you go on the TV, do other things, but Sometimes you you're out of sight, out of mind. Still do the what love, they love the to love do. For right? The game doesn't yeah. change, and the people mm-hmm. that love you and love watching you play are still there. So it was a great opportunity, of, like like you said, um, just intuitive and just how innovative that idea was. And Cube did a great job of promoting it. I mean, again, to to his credit, he where he could would do a performance. He would like he right. would come and do a performance because he knew he was a draw. I mean, again, his career was as strong as ever. Right. Uh, you know, he's making movies straight out of Compton. Of course, the Friday series is incredible. He's still making records. Of course, you know, uh, even his uh, the songs that we all know and love, he was going on tour. So when he would pull up and say, hey, listen, you know, there's going to be games tomorrow on Saturday, but I'm going to do a little show for you all on Friday. Right. And he was able to, to generate that uh, enthusiasm. So you actually, to tell our story a little bit, you actually were reserved. We had Bonzi Wells, um, who was going to wear our patch uh, the first game because he was uh, known to uh, Pepper Johnson, who's a part of our company. Uh, shout out Pep uh, in Florida, hopefully listening right now, uh, five-time Super Bowl champion. Um, and Bonzi was going to be down that particular game, wasn't going to play. 
And I think uh, he's the one who came to you, right? Wasn't it Bonzi who came to you? Yeah, Bonzi came to me and was like, hey, man, uh, try these out, basically. <laughs> <laughs> try these you don't, out, you don't even know what it is. Just putting on a patch. Just And I just, I mean, Bonzi, I know he wasn't going to give me anything to, to harm, right. harmful or anything. Right. And, um, and he had, I noticed he had his custom patch, had Bonzi on it. The one he gave me just had B1 there. Right. So I remember wearing that patch and... This is my first game in the, the big three as a draftee. The, the year before when I came on as a reserve, you know, I didn't play that much, but I got a little taste of the big three was all about. Right. Came back and got drafted and got to play for legendary coach Dr. J, mm -hmm. which was very special to me being from Temple University in Philadelphia. Absolutely. So I remember getting out there and, you know, we had some success. And, you know, I played well and it was just a great feeling and, well, it was great for us, too, because, you know, the funny thing is, is a lot of people didn't know who you were as much right. as they knew the other players. And all of a sudden you're rising up. You didn't just play well. You played exceptionally well. And of Thank course, you, from a, well, well, you know, from a company standpoint, we were like, uh, it's not him. It's the patch. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, marketing 101, you know, but but let's talk about that for a second, because that's pretty exciting. So for those of you who don't know. Uh, David did have uh, you know some short time with the Rockets, yeah. uh, of course was it's very short. But yeah, but but still, uh, listen, you know if you ever done rock climbing, uh, you know the wall climbing at uh, at a mall or something like that, you know Hawk, you just get to the top and ring the bell. It counts. Yeah. So it you know because you know a lot of people don't make that climb for whatever the reason. Maybe it's the height or whatever it is, but ringing the bell that counts. So you did do it. I do have uh, there is evidence out there on the internet, ladies and gentlemen. You will see David Hawkins in a Houston Rockets jersey somewhere. It, <laughs> somewhere. It, it does exist. In the, but, the deep, dark wave but, of but, Google. No, but yeah, exactly. But but in all seriousness, you did play for one of the greatest coaches in the history of basketball in Coach Chaney uh, at, at Temple. And, uh, you know, you have uh, just a tremendous basketball background because you did actually go play overseas and win some championships overseas, which is professional basketball. I think right. when people hear the word professional basketball in this country, they just gravitate toward the NBA. But And we're going to talk about the uh, the growth of farm basketball, because look what's happening with Team USA. Uh, you know, they're struggling. They're struggling to win games. Took, took, you know. a, couple, took a couple losses, and uh, people kind of kind of shocked by that. But, I mean, the international game has been growing for years, and they shouldn't be too shocked. I mean, the possible, probable MVP of this finals is – We'll be Place a, for the Greek national we'll, right, team. Right, right. We'll, so, we'll be a foreign yeah, national. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, is that you're exactly Yoke's right. the MVP of the league, so. You, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be shocked because, again, you're talking about Serbia right now is ranked as the top three-on-three -three basketball team. Uh, of course, uh, Djokic was the MVP this year. If you go through just the last several years, Ginobili was a tremendous contributor. Uh, look what Doncic is doing, you know, for, for Dallas. So, you know, it, you know Tony Parker, of course. You know, it's just littered with you know Tony Kukoc all the way back. You know, with the Bulls. So the international game has been strong. I think a lot of people just lock in on the dream team that just went and blew everybody yeah. out. So just a false sense of our superiority, but it, it is not like that anymore. Um, but when you come and play, um, and the funny thing is, I actually coached Dr. J's son at a basketball camp many, many years ago. So I actually was a fan of Dr. J and how surreal it was to be coaching his son. And then uh, he had walked up to me. One of the more fa famous stories is, 
you know, hothead, uh, Sicilian, Italian, East Coast, we speak our piece. And a lot of people at that camp at Villanova, you know, were, were babying his son a little bit because it was Doc's son and nobody mm-hmm. wanted to kind of tell him right from wrong. And like anything else, you know, people say, oh, he's spoiled. I don't know that any 9, 10, 11-year-old is spoiled. I just think they're 9, 10, and 11. You know, I right. just think they're kids, you know, but because maybe they're the son of a superstar or son of a millionaire, they try and label him or, or say something negative when he's just being a kid. And like anything else, uh, every child needs a little guided. So he, he actually was being given quite a uh, a long rope, uh, so to speak, to do what he wanted to do. Um, and I kind of pulled the reins in a little bit and said, hey, listen, you know, we have practice at four o'clock. You got to be here. And if you don't show up, you, you won't play in the in the scrimmage. Well, I'm uh, paid my money like everybody else. I'm the son of Dr. J. I'm like, doesn't matter to me. And the funny thing is, is when I met Dr. J and Dr. J is just a super cool uh, epitome of class. But at the end of the day, I am 5'10". He is 6'6". Mm-hmm. So when a 6'6", you know, athlete comes up to you and also it's a parent, uh, any parent, there is a little bit of nervousness. And much to my surprise, he was actually complimentary that I was coaching his son rather than just giving his son a pass on everything. So we kind of had that connection. But when you first were going to play for Dr. J in the big three, had you seen or met him before? Uh, or was this your first kind of interaction with this uh, incredible legend? Well, I actually met him face to face for the first time during one of my uh, seasons playing in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, uh, a great late great uh, Willie Sojourner actually played with Dr. J. Um, I don't, I'm not sure on which team, but you know they were in good the friends. NBA or were back from the ABA. Maybe days. even the ABA. Okay, um, that's going old school right there. So Willie Sojourner played for the team that I was playing for in that, in that country of Rieti, Italy. And he was he was there, you know, coming back to, you know, work with the team and everything. And he actually passed away, um, had a heart attack um, in the car. And for his memorial, Dr. J came over, um, him and his wife. Interesting. So the first time you met him That's actually was in a surreal moment where he's coming to grieve his friend. Yeah, in Italy. And so when... Funny thing when that when he did draft me and we got a chance to talk and everything, of course you know with the temple back the temple uh, background and Coach Cheney, he remembered that he remembered that uh, meeting me then. Right. So and then it started from there. But let's get him back to the patch. Play well and <laughs> play well, and that's where that, you, that's a company reach, man. That's a company man, folks. You, you he reach, keeps it on topic. He comes right back to the patch. No, but, but getting back to getting back to you know how our relationship started because you you're not going to think that people don't know how how much time we spend uh, with each other over, either over the phone through checks sure. and also. All the traveling we had to do with the company. Well, you know, and the funny part is, and you did mention Italy, one of the first connections we had is, of course, I'm Italian, and you played uh, for predominantly for Italy, and maybe even spoke a little more Italian than I did at right. the time. So and I said, wait a, I said, wait a second. I was, over, I was in Europe and Italy, and we right. spoke, and, and I was... <laughs> you dropped a little Italian on me. And the other yeah. thing we have in common, which we're actually going to incorporate into our show is you and I have an affinity for movies and all movies of all kinds oh, and all with, you know, comedies, all genres, love it, of course. And uh, moving forward, um, we're going to be playing uh, a song from uh, a, a sport film 
and we're going to be looking for people to call oh, in and mention what film that song appeared in. And there'll be uh, you know tickets for Raiders games or Knights games or yeah. uh, T-shirts, just paraphernalia. And that's what we're looking to do here with this show. We really want to get the fans engaged. We really want to make it a uh, an experience to uh, get up early with us. And you know whether you're driving out for coffee. And you know the funny thing about Sunday is I always did equate Sunday with sports and it was always a little bit of guilt because being uh mm. being being that italian uh sunday is the day of the lord and uh you know for me i um i did you know uh develop quite a uh, frequency of going to church but as i became a better athlete you know in brooklyn if you didn't get to the park i'm not kidding if you didn't get to the park by eight thirty a.m you know on, on sunday hawk you might not see the court till 2 p.m i'm not yeah. kidding i mean it, it just was you know, a line uh, literally around the block. Uh, and then once you get on court, you make sure you won. And uh, on the concrete, when I say no blood, no foul, I'm not kidding. Because when it was point game and you're looking at Matt not getting on the court for a couple hours, you you know, you, you, you trying to get an open look was not easy with people draped all over you. But uh, And I imagine, and for those of you who don't know, you know, Hawk grew up in the D.C. area predominantly, although, you know, did play um, uh, in, in Philly with Temple. Was it similar? Is DC that kind of uh, you know uh, playground? You know, hardcore. Uh, y- y- you know, all day long. I know there's a lot yeah. of one-on-one on the internet we see now. Yeah, now it's gone to that. But I think in any inner city, major, you know, inner city with the playgrounds and basketball was the sport because you, someone always had a basketball. Always had a basketball, and you didn't even need a court. Then you had the crates. You had. To, I remember shooting on a brick wall in the basket. You scored when the ball bounced off that wall a certain way. It had to hit the corner and See, bounce off. Now that's funny, Hawk, because you shot against a brick wall and I shot bricks. <laughs> so that, you know, so yeah. there's just a there's a subtle there's tomorrow, a subtle analogy there. It brings me up to something yesterday. So if you know the movie uh, Along Came Polly, and one of the reasons why Hawk and I um, continue to work together, not only uh, through the uh, B1 company. But we're actually together on this uh, TBT journey, uh, which is going on right now. So again, um, I know we're 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 rocking and rolling with all things basketball at the moment, and we will be talking about other sports. But I guess basketball will always be something that you and I will lean on because we just have that in our in our history. But the TBT, which stands for the Basketball Tournament, is an annual event that's uh, uh, two million a year. This year, it's back down to a million because of the pandemic. But it's a winner-take-all, 64-team NCAA format where, uh, just like you would with March Madness, you know, they get the four regions together. And the teams are predominantly comprised of alumni teams. So last year it was won by the Marquette alumni. And you have teams in there like Bayheim's Army, which is the Syracuse alumni. You know, Tubby Time, which is, you know, Tubby Smith, Minnesota. Minnesota. So you you have all these different teams playing and we have entered our first team ever the b1 ballers which uh hawk took some gm uh reins and and helped us recruit some guys and very very excited about that have you been able to see um any of the tbt games so far because it started on uh started on friday friday yeah. i seen i never i haven't seen any games in full i just only seen um uh, a couple of the endings and the highlights and um like you said that that type of the platform and the way that it's set up is that win or go home. So each game is exciting. It each is. Each game, each yeah. finish, each win. You well, the see. stakes are so high. I yeah. mean, I mean, a million dollars, that's real money. Because even at a, even if you have 10 people, 
that's still about a hundred K for each. I mean, you know, to, to, to play five weeks or four weeks of basketball and get a hundred thousand dollars, that, that that's a whole year salary for somebody. So, uh, if not double, I mean, even, even a, you know, a teacher right now is what are they making 40, 50,000. So th- this is big money and, and we're excited not only for the publicity aspect of it, uh, but we think we can win it. And um, the reason why I started this conversation is yesterday we were running a practice and I wanted to demonstrate and I was talking about bricks. I did throw up a shot and was not one of my better efforts. And a hawk started, you know, rain cut, drops. Yeah. <laughs> let it rain. Uh, the great Philip Seymour uh, Hoffman, uh, God rest his soul. Another another one who's left us too soon. But that great scene where they're playing two-on-two basketball in the park with Ben Stiller. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's just announcing all the basketball stuff that a normal shooter would say. You know, got this, make it rain, let it rain. But, of course, he's throwing up bricks. And it's, the, <laughs> it's a very, very funny scene uh, for our listeners out there. We're going to just more and more incorporate. Um, again, just, you know, Hawk, it's just you and me chopping it up, the stuff that we always spoke about. Um, and again, we are going to go into, into some other sports. One of the things that, uh, is relevant, um, but we're going to, again, still transition from basketball, the U S Olympic team, you know, has not only had a struggle with winning against the Europeans right now, they're struggling for healthy bodies. You know, I mean, I heard Tatum's hurt. We look like Bradley Beal. He's gone because of COVID. And uh, Kevin Love, uh, uh, was it the ankle or the Achilles? He had the leg issue. It was a leg injury. Yeah, but, leg um, injury. And and he's out now. And then brought on JaVale McGee, who is, uh, to me, an odd selection. Uh, again, not that he's not a quality player, but when you're looking to pick people up, I guess he's not the first name that would pop to my head. It's a team made up of different right, different talents. And different, I feel like, you know... Javale has always been that player that knows his role and, and he's cha- actually and won some changes. It's going to say champion. So he's going to bring you some shot blocking, running the floor, and uh, man in the paint a little bit, and just he's still spry, he's still jumping, he's still athletic. I, but, I, um, I think that championship pedigree always speaks volumes, right. and, and some of the things that you were just talking about earlier that the games might go seven. I think if there's one reason why it could, it's because of a guy like Chris Paul. I think a guy like Chris Paul can kind of settle people down in the locker room where I'm not sure if Milwaukee had that same dilemma. Again, Giannis is a leader, no doubt about it, but who is that veteran guy? You can't call him a veteran guy. You can call him a leader because he he just speaks the same good message every time in his interviews. We want to play good basketball, even Mm. after yesterday's win. When they were asking him what he thought, he basically wasn't even making predictions. You know, he actually said, you know, we're going to uh, just continue to play good basketball and let the chips uh, fall where they may. So uh, we're, we're we're very, very excited to uh, see how these uh, finals are going to play out and certainly uh, interested to see what happens with the Olympic team. But we have another uh, half hour coming up at the bottom half of the hour. We're going to tackle all other sports. But you are listening to Inside the Lockers with JC and D. Hawk. Every Sunday, 7 to 8 a.m., right here on Public Radio, KUNV 91.5. We're broadcasting from the campus of UNLV, and we'd love to have you call into that show. We're going to give the number in the bottom half to ask some questions. Please listen on the go by downloading the KUNV mobile app. It's either on the Android or the iPhone. You know, Hawk, that's how big time we are. We got an app ready to go, and you can hear us anywhere around the country. I'm going to be waiting. We're back, Hawk, on Inside the Lockers, and we've been, 
you know, right off the uh, top of the hour, we were we were just right into basketball, and of course, we're sports and more, so we're not only going to be tackling, uh, you know, sports, but we're going to be talking about some topics outside of sports, and this is kind of uh, a scary situation, and, uh, you know, hits home for you, being from the D.C. area, but last night, we had an interruption between the San Diego Padres and the Washington Nationals National because Nationals, of yeah. a shooting outside the stadium. I, I believe nobody passed, but there were some injuries, and of course, a scary situation happening uh, inside that contest. Yeah, I could, I could just imagine how, you know, frightening that scene was. Um, but apparently, outside, right outside the stadiums, you know, it's a busy, busy street. I think somebody it was an altercation between people in two different cars, and you know, they, you know, let some shots off at each other. I think one, one of the. One of the injuries was actually a lady that was attending the game. She was standing outside, so just th- thankfully just, yeah. nobody, nobody, it wasn't no fatal injuries, and right? Of course, no kids or anything, because you know a lot of kids go to these baseball games. But but these things happen at these live sporting events. I mean, sometimes you know, obviously, you know, uh, natural disaster, uh, your World Series back in the day when you had the uh, earthquake uh, with the with the Giants, you know, and and the A's. Uh, and then, of course, I happened to be at the um, Super Bowl where the uh, 49ers were playing the Baltimore Ravens and the the power grid went out. Now, that was just a grid situation. But before it got revealed that it was a grid situation, because it was the Super Bowl and because there was always that, you know, threat of uh, somebody uh, outside of our, you know, our freedoms doing something nefarious, uh, you didn't know what it was. And it was just a fear factor. And the thing about being at a sporting contest, when things like this happen, you really feel you got nowhere to run. Yeah, you uh, feel you, real vulnerable. You're, you're for very, sure. very vulnerable. So it's a very scary situation, but uh, it looked like it was uh, an internal incident. I, I heard that maybe somebody uh, was even an employee, uh, that kind of altercation or something like that, where somebody showed up. But uh, thank God, to, to your point, you know, no fatalities. And. You know, speaking of baseball, Stephen A. Smith almost uh, yeah. had a fatality. He almost had a fatality. He almost had a, a fatality. Career fatality. Yeah, he he was mentioning about Shohei Otani not being able to be the face of baseball because of the language barrier, and also being an Asian American. And not only was he um, mistaken in that and did apologize, but this uh, All Star game, which happened on uh, Wednesday, the number one selling jersey was the Shohei Otani of Jersey, and not just by a small margin. 28% of all sales was Shohei Otani. So, you know, good to see Stephen A. be contrite and apologize, and certainly shout out to Shohei for doing what he did. But uh, speaking of stars, you know, we spoke about we're going to uh, get to people who are uh, game day uh, ready, and, uh, you know, we were speaking basketball, and we're going we're gonna to reference it right now. You know, we have uh, uh, Rick Mahorn who's going to be joining us. And uh, Rick is uh, NBA champion with the Bad Boys, uh, won a championship uh, with the inaugural, the, the trilogy, his very first year coaching at the Big Three. And a lot of people don't remember that he was on staff uh, with the Detroit Shock uh, with his teammate uh, Lambeer. So, um, you know, for someone who had an 18-year career, 13 times in the playoffs, I think that speaks a lot to his influence. And then, of course, look what he's doing outside of basketball. So, um, uh, Coach Mahorn, are you there? Yes, I am. Good morning. Good morning, Coach. Thank you so much for joining us. And you're on Inside the Lockers here with uh, JC and uh, one of the uh, uh, Big Three alum, uh, David Hawkins. D-Hawk and I were just speaking about uh, the different aspects of this finals, different than what we've seen in the past. 
as a as a big man, are you surprised to see a lot of the interior basketball in this series as opposed to the last few years where it's mostly been an outside aerial show? Well, I mean, basketball change. It goes up and down, uh, ebbs and flows of what we, we're we accustomed to. I'm accustomed to the physicality of the game, but it's been pretty interesting with this playoffs because when you look at a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo, to me, I don't consider him a wing player. I consider him a force inside because it's not like he's gifted to shoot the three ball all the time, but in the inside, he's, you know, carving out space, and it's difficult for the Phoenix Suns to kind of match him once they go small because he ends up playing center anyway. So the inside game is still around. It just depends on how well you utilize it for your teams. And I agree with that tremendously because I think one of the you know aspects of the Phoenix Suns' success has been the play of DeAndre Ayton, who hasn't had as great a finals as he was uh, having a series. But this is really two traditional big men, and of course, when we're talking about you know traditional big men, uh, coach, you certainly come right to mind. One of the things I did mm-hmm. I, I did want to ask you is we we highlighted as we were introing you, you know, all of your success as a coach, and it's completely documented. There have been multiple NBA coaching jobs. Um, As a matter of fact, Wes Unsell Jr. just just got another job yesterday. Has there been an interest to go into the NBA as a coach? Uh, Because, again, your success in your resume is as impressive as anybody's. Well, come on, JC. You got to know my resume. You got to know my documentation. I was assistant coach with the Atlanta Hawks. I know, and um, it didn't it didn't work out well because you know different uh, philosophies for you know coaches. I thought once I left the NBA, as far as a player, it would kind of blend in as a coach where you can add your you know your two cents, and you know nobody would feel threatened. And then in the NBA, it's 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 a little tricky. It's like who you know and what you know, and and that's how it is. And Hawk knows when either playing or you you know you want to coach. It's two different variables out there because you see a lot of them are being recycled. I'm I'm so proud of Wes Unsell Jr. Knowing him as a as a kid, also uh, Bernie Bickerstaff, who's uh, at the Cleveland Cavaliers. These are two young young men that I've had the pleasure of playing with their dads, and I'm just proud to see them in a position to showcase their skills. They never made it in the NBA, but they're in the NBA because of the legacy. But they're also in the NBA because they're uh, good enough to coach. I couldn't agree with you more, and it's all about opportunity. And I think nobody could take away from, number one, the job that Monty Williams is doing. I mean, Monty mm-hmm. Williams has done an incredible job. And, uh, and again, although he didn't make it all the way, I think he was able to show that it wasn't all LeBron James. Ty Lue did an amazing job with the Clippers. Of course, you know, Kawhi was down and, uh, you know, eventually got revealed. He just had the surgery. Uh, had the full, mm-hmm. you know, had to tear. So, you know, to your point, coach, I mean, I, I think, you know, a lot of these men were just not given opportunities for one reason or another. I think politics is a part of every sport, but to see them getting the opportunity and then proving themselves on the biggest stage, that's very great to see. And, and, and again, now you have all these movements that are, are changing because, you know, for me, again, I'm, I'm, I'm 50 now and Hawk, you've seen it as a black athlete, as also someone who's even participating next week in, in the, um, the celebrity uh, basketball, uh, Brianna Taylor. This particular movement just seems sustained where people are not letting things slide. It's just as that, you know, there has to be a movement toward, if there's one league, I think that's still maybe you're dragging their feet a little about, which is the NFL with coaching. I know that they did just announce yesterday 
that before every game, the adopted black national anthem uh, will now be sung as well. And I know that they did do that during the Super Bowl. So it just seems that there is going to hopefully be a sustainable push to make sure that uh, slights in politics that are biased. I mean, there's always going to be politics. I think that just exists anywhere, in any neighborhood, in any culture. Uh, I'm Italian. I know that in my neighborhood in Brooklyn, if they see an Italian versus something else, they go with the Italian because I think that's just a part of culture, mm-hmm. you know. But where where we're trying to hope it goes to is that these biases do get kind of pulled out and everybody gets a fair a, a fair chance. And and once they get that chance, and, and with that coach, uh, I think it's very cool that the big three is going to have games at traditional. HBCUs, and of course you uh, went to Hampton, and if I understand correctly, you were also the first player ever drafted from a historically black college into the NBA. Is that is that an accurate stat? Yeah, that's, you're correct, JC. Um, I'm the first uh, NBA player from the Hampton Institute, which has now changed their name to university. I guess they couldn't get the attraction of a lot of people keeping the Institute, but you're, you're correct about the inclusion of all races, all nationalities. It's a point in time where everybody feels like they want to have a fair shake, no matter what color, what ethnic, uh, where they're from or whatever. You know, you just want to make sure that you're productive in whatever field that you do. So the inclusion of women uh, as far in, in the NBA, you know, I was hoping to see uh, Becky Hammond get a job or people who played uh, professional sports because when, when we look at it, all entails the sports is sports. Either you know, it may be a gender thing. So I'm just, I, I just love the way that everything's moving forward. People are being accepted for who they are, and not what you know, not the color of their skin. So, with that being said, coming from a historically black college, it was a lot of things that I had to learn and understand once I got in the NBA. Because you know, you figure that your skill level should, you should be enough. To understand that you can play in this league and, and that doesn't matter what school you go to because the NBA and all sports facets are looking at everybody from high school uh, down to you know even middle school they, they they're so advanced now that you try to be ahead of the curve by looking at people who uh, can play and perform at a high level in, in your in your different fields I, I agree with that a thousand percent you, you think about you know pro sports I mean obviously you know, Oak, I think, Virginia Union was a D2 school, right? That's our conference. We call it the old Negro League. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and even in football, wasn't Walter Payton? I mean, again, Jackson was... was Jackson yeah, State. Yeah, so... And that's the oh. funny thing that I also want to say. You know, sports was always that great equalizer. Uh, if you had the talent, especially growing up in Brooklyn, I was, you know, fortunate enough to, to qualify to play on these all-star teams. And the all-star teams was a collection of the Italians and, and blacks, and, and, and we had an Asian kid, and just people who could just play. It was all about talent, and we were all just friends. I mean, at, 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 you know, at that age, that's all you know is teammates. You don't know colors and races. Until, all, until all of that should, it shouldn't, shouldn't matter. shouldn't matter, you know? but... Well, that, that, and that's the thing about our show, Hawk, is that, you know, we are, you know, sports and more. The station we're on is jazz and more, and uh, again, you're listening to uh, Inside the Lockers with JC and D. Hawk. And right now, also, our guest, legendary uh, NBA champion, Big Three champion, WNBA champion, Rick Mahorn, 18-year veteran. Um, and uh, every Sunday from 7 8 a.m. right here on uh, Public Radio KUNV on the campus of UNLV, and that's 91.5. Uh, we'd love to, uh, Coach, if you could just take one question, you know, part of our show. And, and I don't know if you know this, Coach, but this is our inaugural show 
And you are our very first guest ever. So this will go down in history. And uh, I'm, because I want to thank you again, Coach, for coming on. Can, um, can only have you can all, you can only be the first one all, time. So we're gonna um, gonna try to take a call in. Um, if you could call in 702-895-5868. If anybody has a call for Coach uh, Rick Mahorn before he gets ready for his game. And let's talk about the game real quick. So, you know, you you started out coaching Trilogy. Then you moved to Enemies. Now, after uh, Tiny Archibald left, and shout out to uh, Tiny, you're now coaching the Aliens. And you're going against the Ball Hogs, which have been predominantly a down team. But they did get their first win, 1-0, and look like they've picked themselves up. What do you see for this afternoon's game uh, over, over at Orleans Arena? thing that really does... <laughs> When, when you look at the ball hogs, we always thought they were the Clippers back in the day. We were like, okay, we'll get a win. And <laughs> the, thing that, uh, the thing that Scalabrini and uh, Rick has done is that they made sure that they, you know, can compete because you don't want to be an embarrassment in the three-on-three. And I think the physicality is totally different than what you see in the NBA. But what I love about, you know, playing against the ball hogs today is that they have uh, uh, Barbosa, they have Jody Meeks. They have two very good guards that can score relentlessly when they, when they get on and, and get started. So it's going to be how our defense sets the tone. Hawk knows that physicality is part of it and making sure guys don't get to their sweet spot. And understand me, the three-on-three is a pickup game. Basically, it's a three-on-three pickup game when you don't have 10 people. You're out there trying to stay on the court to win. Right. First team to 50, I thought it was a great idea when it first uh, in his in inception that when Ice Cube said we're going to have three on three and we're going to have former pros that play this game. So I, I love it. I mean, the first year I was, uh, you know, undefeated, probably never be done again. But the way that <laughs> Joe Johnson is playing with the triplets, they've been playing pretty doggone well. They came back with a vengeance to try to repeat as champions. So, with that being said, it's going to be a tough game. We can't take uh, the ball hogs lightly because they do also have uh, Hawes who can shoot the ball, big, big, lanky uh, guy that played in the NBA. So not worried about Scalabrini. I think he's more of the coach now with, with Rick Barry, assistant coach. But it, it's fun. It's been a, a joy. Too bad we didn't have it last year. And, Hawk, you know, I miss busting up on you. You know, I like, you know, when you start talking. Oh, yeah, man, I miss it too. I'll, I'll be there one of these weeks, so hopefully for your sake it's not playing against you because, you know, I owe you. <laughs> well, 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 Coach, I, I can't thank you enough, but hold on. This is this is actually legendary. We, we really were excited about the fact that we were starting this sports show on a traditional jazz station. And, you know, our premise is to get somebody from, you know, game day. And our first caller is Rick Barry, the coach of the Ballhawks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, so you set me up, huh? No, I did not. I did not. Actually, Coach uh, Coach Barry and I spoke about him coming on yesterday, and, you know, we're always trying to work schedules out. But, uh, Coach Barry, are you there? I'm here. Uh, Coach, good morning. So, uh, you know, Rick Mahorn has been sharing with us his thoughts on uh, today's NBA Finals. And, uh, you know, Coach Barry and I talk about this all the time, that right way of playing basketball. And him and I uh, share the same frustrations we love the talent. It's hard not to love the talent, but there is just, you know, you know, one of the things I remember about the Warriors, uh, D-Hawk, they did move the ball really well. You know, people forget that with all that firepower, 
There was a lot of ball movement. There very was a lot. Selfish team. Yeah, it was a very right unselfish way. team. Played the right way. And when you mix talent with people playing the right way, I, I think they're unstoppable. I, I, of course, one of the guys who has always played the right way is Coach Barry. You know, top fifty of all time. And thank you, Coach, for joining us this morning. So uh, you are going into this game against the Aliens. You're one and zero. The the lineup has been retooled. And your team not only won, but you felt that they played the style that you guys need to play moving forward this year. Yeah, they, they, yeah actually, I mean, that's the one thing about it is is that, uh, you know, it's most of the time it's all one-on-one stuff. And if you can do some things and force the defense that makes decisions and you're intelligent players, you capitalize on the mistakes that the defense makes. But if they don't have to make decisions, then it becomes, you know, a total one-on-one game. And that's one of the things about the NBA that I don't like so much nowadays, just so much one-on-one stuff going on. But when they do move the ball, like the Warriors did during that five-year stretch when they could conceivably have won every one of those years, it was fun to watch. It's, I think it's more fun to watch. It's more fun, I know, to play that way, to know that you're, uh, you're involved. So uh, it's fun now, and it's a little bit harder to do that when you're playing three-on-three. Uh, because, you know, you have a big court. It's kind of hard to do stuff, trying to play help defense. You just kick it out, and the guy's going to have a wide-open three. And so what what it comes down to here is who does the best job of of guarding the individuals when they do the one-on-one stuff and hope that you shoot the ball a little bit better than they do. But you got to be able to have some shooters. And that was our problem over the last few years. You know, very inconsistent shooters. We were like the worst or second-worst team in the league shooting. You're just not going to win games if you can't put the ball in the basket. You can talk about defense winning championships, but you still got to score. Still got to score. We still got to score. Well, listen, I mean, it's just been an incredible morning for us. This is our first show uh, ever, and you're talking about, and again, this is not lip service. You're talking about two of the greatest. I mean, Rick Barry needs no introduction. Coach, I did want to ask you one other thing. How prideful was it, or was it just something that you knew it worked, to watch your son canyon shoot underhanded throughout his career and and shout out to canyon barry who's still very very much active uh hope to see him on an nba roster of course played with the usa three-on-three olympic team when they got knocked out it is important to note canyon was nursing an injury did not play in that game and i've spoken to canyon and he felt and i agree with him that his inclusion would have made a difference and you know as we move to the olympics and we'll not see uh, a USA a three-on-three team. But, 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 Coach, I mean, we all want to see our children, you know, just do well first and foremost. I know that one of my sons loved basketball. My other son, I couldn't get him to a court with a crowbar. But, you know, to see to see your sons that have, you know, uh, adopted and played so well and now, um, you know, to have Canyon mirror your shot. And not only mirror your coach, uh, did very well with it. I think he had the longest uh, consecutive streak at Florida and shot 90%. Is that something that um, he took up on his own, or was it something that from very early on you said, if you shoot it this way and perfect it, uh, it'll it'll do you well? Well, I just basically you know told him that if he should you know think about doing it. I didn't try to put any excessive pressure on him. He made the choice himself because he's a very intelligent young man with a master's in nuclear engineering. There you go. <laughs> and he understands he understands uh, physics and everything else. And all the physicists have said it's the most efficient way, unless moving parts that you can use at the free throw line. So he took it upon himself to do it, and uh, he has worked on it. He's been as high as ninety percent, so he's an outstanding free throw shooter and. And just it was extremely disappointing for him to have uh, twisted his back late in training before going to the Olympic qualifying tournament right. over in uh, in Austria. And wow, I mean, so yeah, he feels really badly because they they really didn't do a good job of shooting. What is a two point shot there? They only get they get one for a basket and two for a three point shot. Right. 
and uh, it really hurt them, and they lost in the quarterfinal game, and then they wound up losing because the other team made a bunch of twos, and they didn't make twos. And Kenyon's a 40% shooter from that distance, and he would have certainly uh, helped them some. So I was just disappointed because he had a chance to become an Olympian, the one thing in my career that I, I didn't get an opportunity to do, and it's probably my biggest disappointment in basketball, other than being yeah. in championship finals and you know not winning in 75, 76. So, um, yeah, but it's great to see your kids doing stuff, and, Maybe he'll get an opportunity and get a chance that somebody will pick him up and realize that they, they have a really intelligent player who can that really doesn't have a glaring weakness but can shoot the hell out of the ball, can get to the basket, and knows how to play the game the right, right. way. Well, knows how to, and that's what we've been talking about all morning is just doing things the right way. And for you listening out there who do still play uh, athletics, Coach gave you the tip of the day, less moving parts. I think the more quiet your swing in baseball, I think the more quiet your shot uh, in basketball, I think if you could just master the mechanics and – one of the guests that we're going to have on in the future is a, a friend of mine, Ken, Ken Griffey Jr., probably the sweetest uh, swing I, I ever seen. But, gentlemen, I cannot thank you enough for you know getting up early with us this morning. Uh, I wish both of you uh, tremendous success this season and certainly uh, good luck going head-to-head today. And just uh, as uh, someone who has admired both of your professional careers and also has become friendly with both of you, just the gratitude uh, for joining us on this inaugural show. Uh, there there was just all no words to describe it. Thank you so much. Well, uh, there it is. I mean, Hawk, you talk about you know kicking off our first show. We have one of the top 50 players of all time in Rick Barry and one of the top players. I mean, you know, they, he was nicknamed the baddest of the bad, but... The only word that comes to mind when I think of Rick Mahorn isn't bad is winner. winner. I, I mean, winner, right? I mean, anywhere, oh, anywhere he's gone as a player or as a coach, that team wins. And they win strong. You know what I mean? Trilogy undefeated. And I know what Coach was saying. He was saying, listen, you know, I did try the NBA with the Hawks, and nobody wants to hear that tough love. And it's funny because when I talk to Pepper Johnson, who's now the head coach over at IMG, but who has coached in the NFL, you know, he's another old school guy who believes in a certain philosophy of what it takes to play championship sports. And Rick Barry touched upon it. He said, you know, playing the right way. And playing the right way is a theme for all sports, not just basketball. Even in baseball, taking the shore out, making the bunt, you know, football, you know, executing, getting that first down. I think what's happened in this YouTube era, Hawk, is a lot of people want to show out a little bit. And that individual aha moment which definitely lights up you know followers and lights up likes and all that kind of stuff doesn't necessarily you know get you the team game the team the team championship and we'll talk more about that culture but what do you think so far about our first show and uh and, and where we're headed with our sports and more well i'm excited to see where it goes i mean like you said to have coach barry and coach mahorn come on two hall of fame players and two Hall of Fame people. People, um, that's the thing, absolutely. Been able to spend some time with both both of them. I know uh, what they mean to the game, but more importantly, just how down to earth they are. And uh, you can learn from them um, just about life and everything and had a chance to speak to both of them about life and not just basketball. But just I'm excited and I'm very happy that they came on and that's just got great stuff right there. We um, we promised you inside one locker. We got both yeah, we got that was, both that was, lockers. That was, that was good right and, there. And, and and speaking on coaches, uh just some local news. So Kirby Wilson, who has coached for over twenty years, uh, regarded as one of the top running back coaches in the history of NFL and has been with the Raiders a number of years and has had a impact on Josh Jacobs uh, running. 
actually announced his retirement suddenly. Uh, we don't know why. Certainly wish him all the best. We hope it's not something, you know, that is precipitating this, you know, whether, you know, you get some news that somebody is battling something. But I'm always going to be a, a New York Giants and a New York Rangers fan. But I definitely have adopted the Golden Knights and the Las Vegas Raiders uh, living here now and rooting for them. Uh, plus, they play in different conferences, so that's always good. I never have to sweat it out who I'm right. rooting for until until they meet up in, champion, in the championship, you know. But we do want to wish uh, Coach Wilson uh, all the best, and certainly uh, he'll be missed. Uh, but we're excited that football will be kicking in soon. As we continue to you know, roll to uh, the next top of the hour, um, just to let you uh, know out there, we are going to be always taking some, some calls. We're also going to be uh, adding music to our show, Hawk, because we want to capture our affinity for movies. And uh, what will happen is, is we'll put a song out on the radio. It'll play out. Uh, the song will play. And then you'll be able to call in and let us know what movie that song appeared in and there could be multiple movies that the song appeared in any movie that you name will count and there'll be uh tickets there'll be giveaways there'll if be you merchandise name both the movies you get double the prize right? uh, I, well i don't know if Courtesy that's in the jc I, I don't know if, yeah i don't know if that's in the budget hawk we're we're you know we're still we're still looking for our morning donuts which never arrived by the way so i don't know if that's a budgetary thing a logistic thing or somebody just dropped the ball there but uh but again, I, I want to thank you for uh, being a, a wingman and also a, a top of um, a FYI for next week. So next week, the host will be you and Galaxy Glenn, and the guest will be yours truly. I will be uh, next week in Peoria, Illinois. The B1 Ballers will be going head-to-head against the number one seed uh, in the region for the TBT tournament. Last year's champion, the Marquette uh, Eagle, Golden Eagles, and the locker room uh, discussion will be yours truly because we'll be taking the court 6 o'clock Eastern on ESPN to do battle and to begin our journey, hopefully to a TBT championship by knocking off last year's champs. So there you have it, a hawk. It's all documented. It's recorded. Show one is in the books. And, I, you know, I got to tell you, we may have started the bar too high. You put two Hall of Famers in right <laughs> in the locker room. Yep. But, uh, but again, thank you so much to everybody listening to Inside the Lockers with JC and D-Hawk. It's every Sunday from 7 to 8 a.m. It's sports and more on your station that brings you jazz and more. Public radio, KUNV 91.5. We're broadcasting live, Hawk. This is not a recording. This is not a tape. You're sitting next to me. Uh, you're starting to get the uh, morning out of your eyes, but we're broadcasting from the campus of UNLV. Listen to the show by downloading the KUNV mobile app for your Android or iPhone, and we'll see you next week.